Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah, and there speak this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on David's throne, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness, and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also, do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you men will indeed perform this thing, then kings will enter from this, enter the gates of this house, sitting in David's place on his throne, riding in chariots and on horses, even the king himself and his servants and his people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house will become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, You are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet most assuredly I will make you like a wilderness, like cities which are not inhabited. For I will set apart destroyers against you, each with his weapon, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and throw them on the fire. Many nations will pass by the city and will say to one another, Why has the Lord done this to this great city? Then they will answer, Because they forsook the covenant of the Lord their God and bowed down to other gods and served them. Alright, so this is the message for the king of Judah. What does he tell the king of Judah to do? Justice, righteousness, especially taking care of the oppressed. You know, God always wants the government to stand up for the rights of those who can't stand up for their own rights. You know, the stranger, the orphan, the orphan, the widow, not shedding innocent blood. And if they do that, well then, you'll have kings that'll sit in, on David's throne and things will be really good for you. You know, if they really will rule in justice, God will bless them. But what if they don't obey these words? What does God say will happen? The palace will come to ruin. Yes. What house? N not just David's palace, but also look for example at verse 7. For I will set apart destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they will cut down your choicest cedars and throw them on the fire. Did cedars grow in Israel and Judah? I don't think so. So how can he say they will cut down your choicest cedars? They used it to build something. Yeah, like the temple, as well as the palace. I think God will take places like the temple and destroy it if they don't do what's right. That's pretty serious stuff. You know, they have two choices. You obey me and I'll bless you. You disobey me and I'm going to destroy the palace and the temple. I'm going to cut down your choicest cedars that you've used with all these building projects. And then the nations will pass by Jerusalem and they'll look at it and what will they say? What will they ask? 
why the Lord did this. Why has the Lord done this to this great city? And what will the answer be? Yes, and turn to other gods. So this ruined city will be a monument to what God does to people who turn away from him and worship other gods. The, everybody who passes by will learn a lesson by how God has annihilated the city of Jerusalem. Comments and questions? He now has specific messages to different specific kings in these last few years of Jerusalem. So 10 to 12. Do not weep for the dead or mourn for him, but weep continually for the one who goes away, for he will never return or see his native land. For thus says the Lord in regard to Shalom the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who became king in the place of Josiah, his father, who went forth from this place. He will never return there. But in the place where they led him captive, there he will die, and he will not see this land again. You know what you need to know when you're studying this part of Jeremiah? You need to know the story of the last few kings of Judah. Because if you don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Can I briefly tell you the story of the last few kings of Judah? You need to hear this a few times to get this in your mind, okay? So we may go through this again next month, and that would be helpful, because if you can hear this a few times, it'll help. The last good king of Judah was who? Josiah. He started as a boy, but he started seeking the Lord, and he started doing well, maybe partially because of Jeremiah's influence. He reigned from 640 to 609. Can you listen to history for a minute? And so what happened to Josiah was this. Over in the east, Babylon was conquering Assyria. Step by step, they conquered the city of Asher, Nineveh, Haran, and the Assyrians had withdrawn up to Carchemish. The Egyptians were over here in the southwest. They didn't want Babylon to get any stronger. So Pharaoh Necho was coming up through Israel to help the Assyrians hold off the Babylonians. Josiah, well, Assyria had always been, always been their enemy. He didn't want anybody helping the Assyrians. So he stopped Pharaoh Necho at Megiddo, the Valley of Megiddo. And he tried to keep the Egyptian army from advancing. Pharaoh Necho told Josiah, don't do this. God wants me to do this. Don't try to stop me or you'll get hurt. Josiah doesn't listen. Pharaoh Necho kills Josiah. That was really a tragedy because he was a good king overall. Probably shouldn't have done that, but he was a good king overall who had led the people back to God. That was 609. Josiah, at the age of about 40, is killed by Pharaoh Necho. As Necho goes up to try to keep the Assyrians strong enough to stave off the Babylonians because he doesn't have to face the Babylonians without kind of the Assyrian buffer. Well, here's what happened. The people put, now all these guys have two names. 
They have the name that's their name, and then they have the name that they get when they become a king. You know, people have done that in other countries, right? I mean, like all the Louis the whatevers in uh, France, they weren't really Louis when they were born. They become Louis the whatever when they become king. Or the popes do that. You know, they weren't pope whatever, whatever until they became pope and then they changed their name and they became, you know, whatever. You got that idea? So, this, the guy that the people put in when Josiah dies, his real name was Shalom, but they call him Jehoahaz when they make him king. He was one of Josiah's sons. You know how long he stays king? Three months. Because what happens is Pharaoh Necho has managed to stave off the Babylonians. He holds Carchemish. He comes back through, and he doesn't like Jehoahaz being on the throne. I think Jehoahaz was anti-Egyptian. He was probably a lot like his father, more pro-Babylonian. And so Necho just grabs Jehoahaz and takes him with him to Egypt and appoints his brother, whose name was Eliakim, changed to Jehoiakim to be king. Jehoiakim then is a pro-Egypt king. Until about three years later when Babylon comes in, Egypt can't hold them off any longer. And Babylon conquers Carchemish and Babylon comes in and takes Daniel and a few of the sharp guys and tells Jehoiakim he'd better become pro-Babylonian. So he does. He becomes pro-Babylonian and starts paying tribute to Babylon for about three or four years until he rebels and goes back to to be pro-Egypt. And uh, Babylon's busy for a little while. So Jehoiakim actually apparently dies a natural death after 11 years as king. And his son Jehoiachin, other real name Jeconiah, renamed Jehoiachin, he becomes king. Know how long he reigns? Three months. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in and conquers Judah again, takes Jehoiachin captive in Babylon, and appoints his uncle, Josiah's third son, named Mattaniah, throne named Zedekiah, as king. And he's a pro-Babylon king until he rebels and allies with Egypt. And the Babylonians come in and besiege them and finally take them all away captive, including Zedekiah. So after Josiah, there's four kings. Jehoahaz reigns three months, Jehoiakim 11 years, Jehoiachin three months, Zedekiah 11 years. So it's three months, 11 years, three months, 11 years. And it's son of Josiah, son of Josiah, grandson of Josiah, son of Josiah are the kings. Now, you've got to go through that a few more times. Maybe next month I'll uh, try to you know, work this out on the whiteboard or something. Or maybe I'll print something out maybe and give it to you. That might help. Uh, because you kind of need to know this to make sense of this. So look at verse 10. Do not weep for the dead or mourn for him. Guess who he's talking about? Who was the dead? Josiah. Josiah. Don't weep for Josiah, the one that got killed by Pharaoh Necho. But weep continually for the one who goes away. Who's that? Josiah's son, Shalom slash Jehoahaz, who was taken away by the Egyptians because he says he will never return or see his native land. (laughs) So, you know, don't worry so much about Josiah. 
Poor Shalom Jehoahaz will never come back. He's going to be in Egypt for the rest of his life. For thus says the Lord in regard to Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who became king in the place of Josiah's father, who went forth from this place. He went to Egypt. He will never return there. But in the place where they led him captive, there he will die and not see this land again. So, the message of Jeremiah is, don't worry so much about Josiah who died. Worry about Shalom, Jehoahaz, who was taken into Egypt, because he's not coming back. He's going to die in Egypt. Comments and questions. You see how when you study the prophets, it helps if you know Kings and Chronicles really well. Because it gets confusing who's who unless you get that down. Something that you might do, some of you who like to study and who do well with that, sometime work your way through on your own, like Kings and Chronicles, especially Kings. And, and start making your lists of kings. Start making notes on what each king did and about when they reigned. Now you can't just add up the reigns because a lot of co-regencies, a lot of overlapping. But you can get a book or something that will tell you the dates where they reigned. And get to where you, you have them in your head. You know about each king. You know how many kings there were in the northern kingdom? Nineteen. You know how many kings there were in the southern kingdom of Judah? Nine. Nineteen. If you don't count the queen, Athaliah, which I'm not going to count her. So you've got 19 kings to learn in Israel, 19 kings to learn in Judah, and learning about them. And it just helps you when you're studying these prophets to feel like you kind of know the history, you kind of know what's going on. So we need to go through that a few times. But any comments or questions to that point? Okay, I think this will we'll stop here at this point and then